I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Oh yeah, that's not my jam. It's not my jam, but I can I can groove to it. A little bit. <laughs> you should. Oh, it's a classic. It is a classic. I'm not arguing with you. All right. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Welcome back to Yaholics, episode 186. 186. We are inching closer and closer to episode 200. Oh, man. I'm telling you, we're going to be there by the end of the year. Well, yes, at this rate. And, and, and uh, PETA obviously has to be on because she's on the centennial episodes. Yes, she exactly. is. Since there's been two yes. of them now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we've got to do something really special. Well, we could. Ooh. What would you like to do? Do you have any ideas? I don't know. I just threw that just out there. Spitballing? Yeah, I'm just spitballing here. Hmm. Um, we'll come up with something. Okay. I'm we sure we'll have, have a really cool giveaway, if nothing else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I like that. I like that. I like the energy. Yes. This is good stuff, right? Absolutely. Uh, Real quick energy update. There is a Geoholics um, promotional code that you can use to get, I think, entrance into the exhibit hall or something. I honestly don't know what it gets you, but it is (laughs) IG23-Geoholics. So um, it can't get you nothing. It's got to get you something. Got to get, get, get you something. something. Yeah. Get yeah, something. Maybe Stein a beer or something. I don't oh, know. Uh, we'll, put, we'll put it up on the. Um, we'll put it up on the socials. Yeah. We will. As soon as we know what it does. As we know what it does. <laughs> <laughs> Still exciting. Either way, it really is. It really is. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just excited in general. So, uh, you heard Peter Cox. Peter, thanks for well, joining us afternoon. today. Excited morning, to have you good back. Afternoon. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Hmm. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and we're, we're, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little hungover <laughs> today because we had our Geoholics family meeting last night. And Sean mm, and I and Mark Taylor, we, we were dipping into the, the brown liquor a little bit last night. Yeah, we did open a bottle of Geoholics bourbon. And we know how strong, we know how strong so, that is. <laughs> indeed. And the party went on into the That's night after, stuff. The, after the meeting was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is actually pretty strong. It is. Yeah. 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 But thanks for being here, Peter. Appreciate it. Uh, Producer Sean, how are you, man? I am doing fantastic. We are seeing each other a lot this week. I know. We, are, we have meetings. we got a couple Lucky. of shows. It's I mean, we it's like a, each other. It is a good thing we like each other. Actually, I'm in a much better <laughs> mood than you are. I guess I'm not as hungover as you, so. I'm dragging a little bit. I got to uh, be honest with you. Things, th- things are great. Can't, no good. complaints. Everything's awesome. awesome. You know. Yep. You as well have good color in your face. You're looking really mm, good. Yeah, really healthy. Exactly. I was at the beach for a week before. Oh, that's know. right. Yeah. That's right. Still trying to get outside a little bit, play some golf. You know that kind of stuff. Mm. I know it's hot, but the weather's starting to break. Though I have a feeling. <laughs> I think yeah, we yeah, have like another the... week to ten days of the really hot stuff. I did see that it might be under a hundred. Coming up. Coming up. Saw that. Yep. Yep. Oh, what about you, Kent? What's new with you? I. <laughs> I have what I oh, think may be the funniest story I may ever tell on the show. Oh, man, I am dying I mean, to hear. I tell some good stories, but this one, I mean, I'm starting to crack up just thinking about okay. it. Okay. Right All right. Are All you right. ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So I was in the grocery store the other day, right? Okay. Sprouts, as okay. a matter of fact. Free plug. Don't get used to it. Most funny stories start in Sprouts. In Sprouts. So I'm at the checkout line. Okay. And there is the sweetest old lady Doing the checkout stuff, right? Okay. And everyone's so nice at Sprouts. <laughs> so we get, you know, I get up and we chit chatting with her and stuff like that. And, you know, we're talking about how expensive groceries are. And she's like, oh my God, I can remember when gas was 25 cents a gallon. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, I don't remember that. But, and she goes, and now there are wind powered cars on the road. What? I go, I go, wind powered cars. And she goes, I see these cars on the road with the thing spinning on the roof. The thing spinning on the roof. And by each tire, there's little spinny things. Like, are, are those not wind powered cars? I was like, I that is great. Myself. I walked out of there. I was like, "That did, is the best." Did you is, did you nerd out on her a little bit? Like, well, I those are some uh, lidar X seven. No, I <laughs> no, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. It, it was freaking hilarious. Oh, that's good. Wind stuff. powered cars. Oh, yeah. It sounds like <laughs> maybe someday. Sounds like something my grandmother would tell. Oh, so great, so great. All right, tell us about that opening number. Oh man, oh that was. A couple guys named Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Hmm. Song called Nothing But a G Thing. Hmm. Um, so the story goes is that after NWA split up, uh, Dr. Dre founded Death Row Records with Suge Knight, and he continued to go from there. And his first solo <laughs> album was, Kent, do you remember it? Called, no. called The Chronic. The Chronic. And on The Chronic, uh, Nothing But a G Thing was the number one single what is a g thing <laughs> i would rather not go into it okay um little bit uh originally dr dre was introduced to snoop dogg through his stepbrother long beach <laughs> rapper warren g in 1992 and since then Jeez. snoop has 30 million monthly listeners and dr dre has 23 million monthly listeners on spotify they are they are uh, Mount Rushmore or whatever the echelon is of hip hop. So uh, all, without a doubt, of all those names you mentioned, mm -hmm. how many of them are still alive? All of them. No. Yeah. Suge Knight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I, think so. No, he's in jail. Oh, he's in jail. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good. Well, that's good. I'm glad everyone's still alive. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I think this is the 50th wow. anniversary of the start of hip hop. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Am I the only one on this call that was alive before? Before at the at the we, start of hip hop, was, we maybe, was, uh, well, but it's not a, that's not the question you ask our guests. <laughs> I knew the answer. That we'll just all say yes. I knew the answer. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get on this. We are in the Mentoring Mondays studio mm -hmm. for this one. Uh, Mentoring Mondays is back. That's all I'm really going to say. And if you don't know what Mentoring Mondays is, make sure you go to mentoringmondays.xyz. It is a great resource for anybody in the geospatial community. Um, Trent, he's got a good thing going there, and he's got a ton of good guests lined up for uh, for the upcoming season. He took a little bit of a, a break just during the summer. You know, everyone, everything kind of slows down a little bit in the summer here in the uh, in the West. So, uh, but he's back. Mentoring Mondays is back. Next up, we have the Airworks somewhat random trivia. We do. What do you got there, Sean? Uh, a little bit of a relevant topic this week, and it's a little bit ah. of history nuggets about. PPE. And tell us what PPE is. Oh. Uh, personal protective gear. <laughs> Equipment. That's <laughs> PPG. Uh, yeah, and this, I tried to find some that were uh, specific to the construction industry. Good. So uh, I don't know if you know this about the history of hard hats, but it wasn't until the late 19th century that working people were able to use headgear to keep their skulls safe from danger. Okay. Working on ship or work, workers on shipbuilders, uh, they had the idea to put their hats in, uh, put their put tar on their hats and then let that out to dry. Mm. And then once that dry, it became hard and it was durable. So something might, you know, mm. they're, Basically, they did it themselves. And heavy, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in 1898, a California businessman named Edward 
Dickinson Bullard began selling protective headgear made out of leather. When his son came home from World War One, he had a steel helmet and got the idea that mm-hmm. why don't I use a harder material for this helmet? And the hard hat was born. Interesting. A uh, little bit about eyewear used to only be for poor eyesight. And then until Powell Johnson patented eye protectors in 1880. Mm. And then since then, they have been catch, caught on and been used for uh, PPE in the workplace. What about steel toe boots? Uh, you know, you got the one that I did not did not look up. Uh, but the other one that I did find some info on was high vis. Uh, you know, basically oh, yeah. high, high vis yep. safety vest or whatever. Yep. So it originally started when these two guys, Bob and Joseph Switzer, they invented the first fluorescent paint in 1933. And then they were, and it actually happened because Bob got injured and injured his optical nerve and then he had to work in the really dark. So then they started to work on these paints that you could see in the dark. And then eventually it evolved to this fluorescent paint they were using for advertising. And then it caught on to the military started to use it to prevent friendly fire. So they would paint the fluorescent paint on their, you know, when at night they would get a little lazy and see somebody. And so that's how they would prevent us from shooting each other hmm. or, you know, ourselves. Yeah. yeah, Good stuff. Yeah. So that's how it started. Yeah. Very applicable. Yeah. That's what I thought. We're going to talk a lot about safety and PPE. Absolutely. Evening. It's one of, uh, it's one of the topics that we, we are adamant about. We absolutely are. And we are also going to talk about, um, mm. women in the trades as oh, well. Good, good, good. So stuff. a couple of really good topics. So my, um, Weekly Words of Wisdom, Advanced Genetic Surveys, Weekly Words of Wisdom. Here's a quote. I like this. If you exclude 50% of the talent pool, it's no wonder you find yourself in a war for talent. Ah. Mm. Hmm. Interesting, right? That is Teresa Whitmarsh. She's the executive director of the Washington State <laughs> Investment Board. Our guests are giving us a smirky nod of, yeah, no shit. Mm. Well, <laughs> speaking of our guests, let's get them in here. Absolutely. Because I'm sure they're ready to talk as well. Um, we have Amy Rusa and Diyla Ray. I believe I got that correct. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Maybe just name who you work for, what you do, and um, what was your first car? Amy, you go first. Oh, you're putting me on the spot on my first car. Um, so hi, everyone that's listening. I'm Amy Rusa. I'm the CEO and founder of The Safety Rack, which works to close the equity gap for women in trades. And I also work in national risk control. And I can't remember what my first car was, but I remember I had it for three months before the axle broke on it. Oh, on my had to be a Ford. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> had to be a Ford. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> All right, Diyla, you're up next. Hello, I am Diyla Ray. I currently work at the Davis H. Hart Career Center in Mexico, Missouri as a welding instructor. I'm getting ready to start my second year. Uh, prior to this, I have a decade of experience in the industry as a welder traveling across the United States working in compressor stations, refineries, municipalities like water treatment uh, facilities and wastewater treatment facilities. Uh, And my first car was actually an Oldsmobile Intrigue, a big old boat of a car. Uh, And uh, it got to where any time that I would drive it or even if I was on the road in a different vehicle coming near it when my uh, husband later drove it, uh, it would stop. It wouldn't work for me anymore, even if I was just like near it. (laughs) So maybe it didn't like me after I treated it. (laughs) They do. 
Hey, they, people say that cars Very have true. a personality. Yeah, yeah, that that that, that is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peter, I don't think we ever asked a... you this question. What was your first car? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't if a Mark kangaroo. Taylor was here, he'd say I kangaroo. Had a Suzuki Swift, kangaroo, a little yeah. two-door Suzuki Swift, <laughs> tiny little thing, a little buzz box. It was a little five hundred cc engine, and oh yeah. Well, it's because Peter was a was a was a beach girl. She had the little yeah. She had well, to have a little had to get uh, thing to get around the beach, right? It was big enough to put my yeah. surfboard Definitely. in. So interesting. Right, what was yours? Did you tell me? Have you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. What was your shot? Uh, I think we've probably asked yeah, we've this. had this before. It was a, a blue hatchback Honda Accord. Honda Accord. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. Very reliable vehicle. What was yours? A, a Barracuda or nineteen seventy four Dodge Charger? Oh yeah, that's a that's a really good. It was car. a nice car. It was yeah. a good car for a kid in high school. Oh man, <laughs> you were so cool in high school. <laughs> we, no, we don't need to talk about high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's refocus here. <laughs> um, so, y- you guys both work in the trades, and uh, Amy, I'm going to start with you. I mean, how 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 did this come about? Was there somebody or something that influenced you to become part of the trades? Um, no, I just kind of took over safety and got good at it, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the problem solving, the challenges. And that's just kind of how I got into it. I started off slow. Nobody wanted to do the safety audit for the month. Nobody wanted to look at the compliance. Mm. And I just decided to do it because I was sick of being a cashier. So I got oh. me out of cashiering. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Diala, how about you? I was actually uh, getting ready to go back to school for a psychology degree. And my husband's company was hiring for a fire watch. Uh, so I had three months until school was starting back up and uh, they were paying really good money, telling me that I would basically just be sitting on a bucket, making sure people didn't catch fire, making 18 an hour and 125 a day per diem. Uh, and I was like, let's Jeez. go. Yeah. And so I got there and I saw welding for the first time. I, I mean, maybe in the movies before that. Uh, and I was completely infatuated with it, drawn into it. Uh, somebody gave me a welding hood and said, here, try this out. And uh, it just took off from there. That is so cool. Yes. Um, so welding, is welding, is it a skill? Is it an art? Mm. How, like, how do you describe mm. it? All of the above. It's definitely a skill. It's certainly an art. Uh, you know, I I believe I'm uh, I have a natural ability with it. I started with uh, TIG welding, so I kind of did it backwards. They typically will renown TIG as, uh, which is uh, gas tungsten arc welding. Uh, that's more of a, a duality welding, so you're using both hands to weld. So typically it's learned last, and I started with that first. And, uh, you know, it's certainly an art, especially once you get into um, the clean, you know, nature of welding with the sanitary tube welding and things like that. Uh, and then seeing the artwork that you can do with welding, oh, it just I goes like that on. that side of it. <clears throat> hmm. Wow. Super cool. And uh, Amy, for you... Yeah. Yeah. Amy, for you, um, the, the safety aspect, is that, how, how did you become passionate about that? Was there, was there something, was there an accident or something that, you know, really made you want to focus on that or how did that come about? I actually grew up in my dad's tow shop 
And so I just remember being a kid hanging out there and I saw his passion for making sure the guys were safe. And then later on in life, he did motorcycle riders classes and I got to see him do a lot of that. So I kind of had that little background going in. But I think for me, it is that accident prevention because it's so easy to prevent some of these. And I've seen how somebody's life has been altered. I started one job just Mm. shortly after somebody wrapped their neck around an auger. He's still alive, but he's a paraplegic now. And it doesn't just affect him. It affected his entire family because Mm -hmm. everybody's lives are uprooted and it's preventable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No question. Wondering, um, the companies that you work for, um, you look at the at the trade side of it, or you're watching all of these people. How is it implementing the safety things? Because, I mean, safety is really big now, but a while ago, people. I mean, I still see people now not caring about their own safety and stuff. How do you implement it and make them realise that it is important? Amy. And it has to be mm. owned on an interdependent level with everybody. So everybody has to be concerned for their safety and the safety of others. So it's really, I, I don't like it when you hear the term safety culture. It's really workplace culture, right? Mm. If your safety culture has a problem, your entire workforce has a problem. So it really depends on the company and the culture and how those people interact with each other. I, you still have people that will be like, oh, I don't care about this. But I mean, at the end of the day, mm. a lot of these jobs are extreme jobs and they do care. Um, I think some people act tough and they do care because I've seen yeah. it on job sites. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to get home. Mm. So it is it is challenging. You do run into it. Um, I, I run into it frequently still, but it's getting better now that the culture is shifting. We're having more of these open conversations and we're having empathy and we're listening now yeah that's what i was curious about if have you seen a shift or you see every it it feels like to me maybe because we talk about it so much that it appears that there's more awareness out there than maybe 15 20 years ago have you seen the same thing amy where is it just us because we talk about it all the time or is that a general national perspective that it's in general the workforce is becoming more self safety aware i think 10 15 years ago and even 30 years ago if you were on a job site and you screwed up you were going to get written up that was the mentality and from my own experience when i first started in safety that was the mentality i was taught is you know, you're there to be almost like the safety cop. And Mm. that created an environment that wasn't inclusive, didn't get everybody on the same page. And now that we're having this greater conversation nationally and globally about workplace culture and what it should look like, it's shifting and it's changing and we're getting better leaders to lead that conversation. (coughs) Yep. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Good answer. Um, So I look at welding as being one of those extreme trades like a lot of things could go really wrong um what is what is the mm-hmm. safety component for being a welder look like oh man uh, it's, it's everything it's paramount it's from your protection on your body to what you're using in your hood to protect your eyes to the ventilation that's in the area that you're working in whether it's because of the fumes or the gases that are being excreted from the welds uh, you know, it's what's happening on the job site, the surrounding work, the other people you're working with, the plants themselves. They're 
ticking time bombs and at any moment something can happen. So there's a threat around every corner, whether it be your personal protective wear, whether it be the environment or other people there. Uh, and I've seen time and time again over the years where companies and employees look past the need of the safety level. A lot of them will cut corners and, you know, just do what is necessary to get by. Uh, you know, I use as a, a welder and now a welding instructor in a welding shop, we use grinding tools and things like that. And you'll see people always taking the guards off of them or the handles off of them. They're there for a reason. Uh, now, I can say that there's been instances where working in the field in order to get to the work, you do have to remove it. But you know, within those parameters, typically you're working for a company where you do your JSA, your job safety assessments, and you discuss the possible hazards and what you need to look out for. And you just work through, you plan the work and you work through the work. Uh, and so by just understanding what you're doing, what you're working on, what's going on around you, what you're wearing, mm -hmm. the safety you talk is about there your, um, Like being an educator now, how do, do you see, are these people that you're educating, are they actually working out in the workforce or they're coming in without any experience because I think with the tools that you're using you, you would they may not be used to them or, or you can see the types of things that they do in the workplace as well are they bringing those sort of things into the safety side of it Yeah, so the, the group that I work primarily with now mm -hmm. are sophomores, juniors, and seniors in high school. And, uh, you know, before we even get into the welding shop, we spend on average three to four weeks in the classroom going strictly over safety. Uh, we take an OSHA 10 certification course for the students. They individually take those. And then we also use the American Welding Society's SENSE program for a safety test. And it's a requirement that they have a 100% pass rate on that before they get into the shop. Because if not, if, you have, if not, then, yeah. you know, one wrong mishap or misunderstanding of something could be potentially hazardous and life-threatening, not only for them, but for everyone else in the area. Um, as for uh, other companies, so we do have a certified welding inspector on staff. And so uh, we are a accredited test facility, an ATF. And so we have uh, abilities that companies send us their employees or potential employees that they're looking to test. And mm -hmm. uh, we put them through whatever certification test they're doing. And, uh, you know, you see their work with the tools. And um, as an adult and a professional coming in to do a well test, uh, you hope that they're utilizing the safety precautions properly. Yeah. But still, you can see things that don't always happen that way. And that can be from bad mm -hmm. habits, bad things that they've learned, corners they're cutting. Yeah. But no, for sure. uh, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Not a good idea. And you know what excites me the most about what she just said? Mm -hmm. There is still shop classes in high school. I really love the idea. That I the thought they were all taken are... away. No, bring the trades no, back. I think that's awesome. Bring yeah. the trades back. No question. No question. And on that note, Amy, Diala, Pita, y'all work in male dominated fields. Um, and I, I'm just curious. I mean, talk about that just a little bit. You know, some of the challenges, what have you. And Amy, I'm going to let you go first. So, um, 
it's been a challenge um on several levels you can deal with misogyny you can deal with some of the sexism and the harassment i think the the biggest thing that was a challenge for me is being white knighted why i'm learning so white knight would be you coming in and oh. trying to take over what I'm doing or trying to help me or try to oh. be more of an expert, assuming that I don't know. No, any me neither. And Interesting. I, I've I never heard that term. Yeah. I love that. It, I'm shocked that you've never heard that term, Kent. Yeah. You are? Oh. Yes. Have you? Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I definitely have had plenty of things as I've been learning and growing in the field where basic things and comprehensions that I should already know as a safety professional get re-explained to me in great detail by someone <laughs> if you think they're being hopeful. Mm. And I think that's kind of the challenge is if you get into any field where you're directly heavy in the trades, you have to have a little bit thicker skin and you have to be able to identify when you need to have that gentle conversation with somebody and be like, hey, I really appreciate that, but... Um, or just be able to walk away and brush it off um, mm. and then deal with the more serious ones. Mm. So it's really just gauging it. It's, I think, not for the faint of heart to be in the industries that we're in, because at the end of the day, we're also having to pave the way so for the true. next generation of women mm. that get to be in our spots. So there's a lot, I think, um, riding on our shoulders to do well and do it correctly. Something tells me this group doesn't use the word mansplaining because in their fields, that's probably all they hear all the time. Mm. <laughs> Got it. Just, just a hunch. It's kind of being white knighted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being a female welder, I, I'm assuming I could probably count all the female welders on my two hands and my two feet. I don't know how many are there and I'm sure that you have experienced some of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I didn't work with another woman uh, welder until uh, probably a year and a half in. Typically, we were only in the office or as the fire watch or the helper potentially on the job site. But, um, you know, my experiences have been that I've been extremely discredited for the work that I do. Uh, a great example is I'm standing in the testing area to take a test and a guy comes in with a handful of the welding rods for me and he walks a few feet from me, looks at me, looks past me, looks around me and he's like, here, these are for your welder. And I was like, thanks, I am the welder. And it's like, the, mm. and then scurry out of there real quick, you know, kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, I'm standing there in the area. I'm the only one there, but it cannot be me because I'm a woman. Hold, holding the hood, got the gloves on. Like. <laughs> yeah, like here's literally your sign. Oh, um, but between that and, uh, you know, different remarks about just because of my body parts, that's why I'm, you know, provided different things like I've had companies send me welding rods and I was told that's only because you have tits. And I'm like, great. Thank you. My body is only speaking for itself. It's not the work that I have done or the things that I've done. And so a lot of times you're just disvalued and discredited being a woman in this industry and you're constantly having to prove yourself. And, you know, typically it's that scenario like Amy was talking about where uh, most guys will want to do it for you or tell you how to do it. You know, a lot of times when it came to like lifting things and whatnot in the beginning of my career, I'm like, no, no, I got it. You know, like, get out of my way. I got it. And then as the years <laughs> progressed and it continued to happen, I'm like, yo, you want to lift this 
not heavy thing for me. Oh, sure. Thanks. Thanks for the help. Do the hard work for me. I'm going to save my back, yeah, yeah. you know? And right. so it kind of got to where I kind of played catered to it, you know, a little more. And if that's the way they wanted to treat it, it's not that I was incapable. I'm I maybe working smarter, not, not harder at this point. <laughs> yep. That's clearly what that is. Yep. What about the demographic of the kids? Mm-hmm. Is that split up? I mean, is it, do you see mostly boys and a few or as you see some kind of progression there? Yeah, last year we had uh, 51 students in the program and three of them were ladies. This year we have 69 students in the program and seven of them are ladies. And so I like to, you know, maybe this egocentric self of mine, I like to think that uh, being present in the welding shop because we have nine different schools that attend our program. And so they send students for tours and things, whether that be eighth graders, ninth graders. And I'd like to hope that me being present in the shop this past year allowed a lot of those sending schools and the ladies in their programs to see me in that shop and maybe see a sense or feel a sense of of, you know belonging that they can be in there too and so seeing that jump in numbers this year I hope that you know by me being here it's something that is allowing a space for more ladies to come into welding because we're good at it. That goes with everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it goes Peter's for everything. Uh, sitting over here yeah, with a smile on her face. That, yeah. you know, the more you Go put yourself that, out Peter. there, the more people that see it actually happening, that there's females doing these types of things, you're getting it out there and showing other <coughs> younger younger women, younger girls that anything's possible. So a long time ago, and I don't know whether social media helps with that as well, um, you know, being able to put it out there with the types of things that are happening, you know, whether you're in your construction, you know, doing the welding, whatever it may be, um, getting it out there and letting people see that, yeah, we can do all these things. It's not just for the men. Yeah. Yep. Yep, for sure. And why, like, what are some other reasons why having more women in the trades is beneficial? And Amy, I'm going to let you go first. I think couple of things here that quote you had at the beginning was spot on like if you only have 50 percent of one side of a workforce it's lopsided right you're not getting this diverse pool of perspectives and thought processes and that actually can affect a, a population we also have the problem in our country right now that by what 2030 we're going to be short in manufacturing and construction by almost a million in each sector women can fill these roles and they can do a really good job of it the problem is, is there's a stigma that, oh, you either do healthcare or you go into retail or you do something like that. And those are minimum wage jobs that don't pay the bill. And if you're a single mom, you can't raise a child off of that. And I know that from my own personal experience raising my kid, which was also the reason why I kept pursuing safety is I got paid my worth and it allowed me hmm. to be able to provide things for my son. And I wanted to continue doing that. So... I think that that is one of the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is that it can one, not only help this shortage of population we're going to be seeing that we've relied on way too heavily for men to fill and we can fill it with women mm. that can do the job. Cause I've seen plenty of TikToks, I've met plenty of women. We're more than capable. We run houses, we raise children, we can do it all. We just need the workforce to accept it now and to embrace it and to 
let us come in and not white knight us and not create a hostile work environment and just let us mm. work. I love that answer. Here, here. Yeah. Yeah. Diyla, go ahead. Um, absolutely. I, I'll echo Amy completely on that. And I think what's a great uh, perspective on my end with being in the position that I am now, uh, not only will I hope to see more ladies coming through the program, but by being here, I can also have those interactions and conversations with the young men going through the program and let them see a woman mm. in this space to where when they are in the workforce and in the field doing the work, it's not going to be something that is this wild unicorn that they've never seen before. And what are you doing here? It's a, oh, yeah, I know girls can do this. I know women can do this, whatever kind of approach, you know. And so I think by just being here, being open about it, giving those um, experiences out and the things that I've been through with it, it'll really allow that space and comfort for uh, both men and women in the field. Uh, just as Peter said as well, if, if they're not seeing it, if we're not talking about it, if it's not being shown, how are you supposed to know? And so I, it's wild. I, I never thought I'd be a teacher. And so going from, um, I never thought I'd be a welder either, I suppose, you know, I came upon that. And so never say never and look where it's led me. It's, it's something that has fostered a passion within me. And now I'm able to share that. And hopefully that can be something that will work into the workforce and mm. be well, that I, ripple I, of change. <laughs> I was yeah, about to yeah, say that's that. That's awesome. You, started so in you and Peter have a lot in common. Right. So I started in nursing and then went into, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, that's what so I was going to school. Then that sort of didn't work out and other things didn't work out and got into these industries that we're in. And then moving into the educational side, because I do the same thing, um, I train surveyors. So it's really, it, I, I feel like I'm in a really good position to train, like you said, the next generations and show them that it's not a male dominated, dominated industry, that it's, you know, everybody can do it. It's for everybody. There's different niches that people can go into or whatever it is. So being there and showing it and getting out there is, and getting that difference into the younger generations to say, yes, everybody has a position in this, in this field. That's important. And it's changing things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And with, you know, yeah. And with ladies like yourself that are, you know, really making an impact, are you seeing improvements? Amy? I think we're starting to see that pendulum swing in the right direction now. And that's the nice thing, but it's still going to take time. Right. So the stuff that like we do with the safety rack and all it's, it's still going to take five years, 10 years, 20 years to make those movements, but we can get there. The conversation is there and that's what's getting this going and people are starting to listen. And I think employers definitely have to listen because it's, it's their livelihoods now. If you can't fill those roles and you're just relying on one gender, you're going to be SOL real fast. So you got to get out there. What advice would you give to employers that are looking to expand their pool of talent, so to speak? Like what, what could employers do mm. to help themselves? Think outside the box. Don't assume somebody needs a college degree or five, 10 years experience, mm. especially for entry level. I, I hate seeing that stuff, but just if somebody seems like they're curious, give them that chance and you might be really surprised. Somebody gave me a chance when I was curious. Somebody helped mentor me along my path. 
And that led me down this road 19 years later. It's and I'm the, very grateful to that person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and these are yeah. well-paying jobs what, we're talking about. What you've got about. to realize oh, is that yeah. 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 it's in usually, demand. as Amy said, it's yep. the person who's curious. It's the person that wants to give it a go. It doesn't matter if they have the degree or not because you can teach that education or, you know, if they want to go back and get that education, yeah. they get the experience and then they go, I can actually, you know, if I need to get more education, I can go and do that later. They've got that passion already. They want to learn. So they're the ones that you've got to grab. For sure. Yeah. I think we miss a lot of opportunities. And from personal experience, I'll tell this story real fast. I got assigned to mentor a woman at work in the management program. Nobody wanted her. They laughed about it. The day I went to tell her I got her as a mentee, she was arrested. And so I had to call her in the office and be like, you want this chance. You said you wanted it. Now you have to prove it. And Mm. six months later, she outshined everybody else that was supposed to be the top performer, the top selection. And I had to give her away to the boss because I couldn't Hmm. mentor her. And I will always be thankful for that because she sent me a letter years later thanking me for that. But you gave somebody an opportunity. That's what happened. So interesting. Is it anything like, you know, like for like in the teaching field, for example, that is a female dominated profession. And it used to be like when a male would like be a math teacher or this teacher, whatever, like, oh, my gosh, you could write your own ticket. You know, being a male and a female dominated, um, you know, a career or whatever. Is there any, is, is there, is there a, I guess, what am I, what am I, where, I guess where I'm going, is there a, a wage gap? Are you, do you guys see a wage gap between males and females in your respective no, uh, traits? <laughs> yes. We're all head nodding if everybody's yeah. listening. We're all yeah. nodding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 you probably don't want to talk too much about that. But it needs to be talked about. I've quit a job because of that. It's still there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I quit a job because of it. I, yeah. I took over the team lead safety role at a place I was working. And when I asked for the raise, I got told that when my current job description, it said that I could lead the team. And that was mm-hmm. enough for them to justify not paying me. And so I left. Mm. Wow. Yeah. wow. Diala, you had experience somewhat like that as well? Yeah, I was a structural welder for a biofuel plant. And uh, when I got there, uh, you know, the other gentlemen that were structure welders were making $8 an hour more than me, what I was told I was supposed to be making. Wow. And so two weeks after I got my first paycheck, I saw the pay, went to the office. They said, no, this is what we have. And I said, that's not what I was hired in. I asked for the paperwork. It's showing something else in the paperwork. And so my husband was also, we traveled together for work. He was the fabricator as I was the welder. And so I went out into the field, found him, told him what was going on. He turned to the welder he was working with and said, it was nice seeing you, nice meeting you, good luck. And we packed our things up and left. Mm -hmm. And it causes a stir. It it can be a commotion thing on a job site. Um, That's the only job that I ever just like, no, no question asked. I'm walking away. It was, you know, they told me one pay and Mm -hmm. here they are paying me less. Come to find out because what, I'm the only woman on the job in the, the structure welding. So... I didn't stand for it. Karma came back around. Uh, like a year later, they were shut down. It always so does. Maybe they Sounds were doing like something it. else nefarious. They maybe weren't too good of a company, but 
uh, it's something that's ha- that's happening still. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I also uh, if they're not paying attention to that. Then it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, something that I like to say. This week's featured friend of the program is Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., also known as AGS. They are a equipment dealer specializing in mapping and land surveying equipment. Been doing business since 1991. Yeah, uh, their team works to provide the best solutions and service for your needs. And I have actually personally had great experiences with AGS. They offer a comprehensive list of competitive surveying and mapping products, service, supplies, and more. They deal in new, pre-owned, rent, and they even have a Sherp, if you can believe that shit. I saw that. That looked amazing. The staff at AGS, they have combined experience of over 150 years, and I know that they can help with any problem that you may have or encounter in the field. In fact, their number one priority is customer satisfaction. Of course it is. Find out more at agsgps.com and make sure to tell them that the Geoholic sent you. Go I'll go. I was going to say something that I like to say as well. Uh, I'm not a fan of saying a male-dominated industry. I like to say it is a male-populated industry. I've heard this said as well a few times over the years because though there are a lot of men perhaps in that industry, that does not mean that they're the ones dominating. Uh, And then also to add to the (laughs) sake of now being an educator, thank you, after as well being an educator, um, perhaps because of the building that I'm working in with it being for the career center, there is a very good split of men and women uh, instructors here. And so I found that interesting when I started here, that there was such a variety of men. And then to speak further of the building I work in and how progressive they are, last year they hired me as a welding instructor and they hired a male as the cosmetology instructor. And I was like, all right, this is an interesting (laughs) dynamic. You don't typically see those things. And so I was like, good on this building. (laughs) Wow. That is interesting. Um, So I guess what I was going to say is I – have two daughters that are entering the workforce, you know, at, at, at this point in time. And I've been in there a few years, but still, you have a young daughter. Do. So these conversations are, I, I'm pretty sensitive about them, you know, and it's very, very frustrating to hear some of these stories. Well, I just don't think about, and I should more, but I, I like to think that my daughter will have every single opportunity that, that there is out there. And I'm not being realistic, even in the, how you know, 15 or so years that, until she goes out, she's still not going to have the same opportunity until mm-hmm. can, things continue to change. And there, we're still not there yet. It's yep. encouraging. <laughs> and I'm sure going to damn well make sure that I can do everything to give her what she, you know, and present as much to her. Right. It's but, going to be a long, uh, it's a long I just haul. Know that I it's mean, still things have there. changed yep. Yep. a lot sure. in what the 28 years that I've been working in, in the industry. And things are changing slowly, um, but there's still there's still a lot of that bias out there. There's still a lot that needs to be educated. There's a lot of you know a lot of things that need to happen for it to be able to pave the way and make it equal. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. mm. sure. But yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I know I don't need to tell you guys this, but keep doing what you're doing. It's making an impact, I'm oh, sure, on a, on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And sometimes you probably think it mm-hmm. isn't making an impact, but 
It is. There's no doubt about it. You I, never know who's, who you're influencing, you know? I can tell you, I don't know if in the same position mm. I would have walked off the job. And that takes... Oh, yeah. Right. That takes something that I, I, I don't know. It's very yes. admirable is what I should say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Courageous. Yes. yes. Let's move on to safety rack. And I think this is how I found you guys was on uh, Instagram and saw the safe, safety rack page there and uh, started following it. And I'm like, oh, I gotta, we got to talk to these guys. So, Amy, is this is this your your brainchild? I mean, where, where did this come from? So it's a it became a passion project and I just keep morphing it. Um, back in 2019, I co-founded the Midwest Women in Safety Conference to bring together women that had safety backgrounds so that we could have one day to talk about issues we were facing. And that first conference, what happened was the issue of PP came out and just the huge equity gap that was there. And so I started going and sourcing where this PP was, letting people know about it. I just kind of low key became the person you went to if you needed to know where PP was. And I had been posting a few things here and there on LinkedIn. And then finally, out of the encouragement of my awesome husband and a few friends, they're like, you know where all this stuff is. And the only way to get this conversation going is for somebody to start it. And I'm like, oh, but I don't want it to be me, but it needs to be me. So Safety Rack was born. And I think we're a year and a half into this now. And it just started with me doing PPE review. So I get the product in, I source it, I buy it, or it's given to me. And then I test it for a period of weeks or months. So it's not one of those influencer videos that you see on the internet where, you know, they open it up and say, look how cute I am. No, I want to know how it fits my body and how it's going to work on a job site. But then it morphed into, it shouldn't just be the safety person doing the reviews. And so that's where I started looking for women that I could bring in. And that's where Diyla came in. And I was like, we met through empowering women at a conference. And I'm like, I like you and you're a welder and I could get you a bunch of stuff that's to awesome. pass. And she graciously mm. accepted. So uh, that's so cool. So yeah. something I didn't, I didn't realize. Um, and I want you to explain this to me a little bit is that there is yes. a quality <laughs> gap in PPE. What, 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 is, what do you mean by that? It's a majority is made for men out on the market. The way employers buy this, they buy it in bulk and they're gonna buy to the large dominated workforce that they have, which is the male population that they have. And so when you're a female on the job site and you're handed the only thing that's left in the PPE pile, say a high vis vest that's an extra large, you become a walking hazard. And that's a big safety issue if you're on the job site, whether you're a male or female. So if I'm female on a job site and I'm wearing something that doesn't fit me right, now I'm focused on that and not my work. And so there's a risk there for potential injury, not just to yourself, but to your coworkers as well. So we need to, in order to start filling these positions, start getting more women into the workforce, you can't just bring them in and not have the PPE ready for them. It's not okay. You have to protect them. It's in the OSHA language. and so. That's part of the initiative of the safety rack is to really so, Amy, bring awareness to that and get that the gap safety closed. Rack, are you um, gotcha? Are you just sourcing from different companies that are starting to make clothes for females, or are you coming out with your own stuff? <laughs> God, I don't think I could design anything ever. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do. I, 
first, I love my full-time job in National Risk Control. I love working with everybody that I get yep. to work with. And this is my passion project. So I source from the companies that are doing this and I want to bring bring an awareness to it because that was the biggest gap that we saw initially was nobody know, knew where to find the women's mm -hmm. FR or the safety vest or the shoes. And so it was bringing awareness to the companies that have been out for a long time doing it, but also the women that yep. were finding founding companies and creating product as well that needed a mm. platform because they can't so get Diala, into with big what distributors yet. brought you in on is it um are you testing them and saying yes this works well that doesn't work well these don't fit properly and and is it going back to you amy that then's going back to the company so that they can make changes to this workwear Yes, yeah, so I've received gloves, I've received boots, uh, I've received work pants, some of them FR, some of them work style pants, uh, and I put them through the rigors. I've actually even received multiple multiple pairs of gloves at times, and mm -hmm. uh, gloves meant for women, thankfully. And so with having a few ladies in my class, I'm also able to extend these products to other ladies and have them give me their input and experience with them. Very unbiased experience, even more so, which has been really neat uh, on a couple of the selections. Uh, but like Amy mentioned earlier, they're put through the rigors. It's not an open reveal. Oh, this glove feels <laughs> nice. It's pretty. You should buy it. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to break it in. I'm going to get them nasty and sweaty and full of grit and grime. I'm going to burn them. I want to mm. see how they're going to withstand, uh, you know, it's part of the process with it. And uh, it's an exciting thing because there's companies out there making these products for years. I was told, oh, yeah. no, we don't carry lady stuff. Get a small. That's not yeah. a late. That's not mm. meant for women just because it's a small <laughs> You know, that doesn't make it. I actually uh, just had a conversation with someone recently about that saying, well, you should try our products. And I said, do you have a women's line? And they said, well, if you're meaning size small, then yes. And I said, no, that does oh, well. not mean you yeah, have a women's line. Yeah, it was like mm. body shape, sizes, hands are different, legs are different, hips are different, chest, everything. I was like, that's not what that means. And so I said, respectfully, no, thank you. I'm not interested in your products. And uh, it's great to see all these companies coming together, uh, and there's a lot of them now, uh, you know, not really readily available, you know, on storefronts. Uh, most, of the, most of them are online access, uh, but they're there, and there's more companies that are working eagerly to open up different lines for women as well, and it's not just that mentality of pink it and shrink it. They're questioning, they're asking. I was in conversation, they said, you know, if you could design this work jacket, this FR welding jacket, what are nice. the things that you would want for your body's protection? And so I, you know, went through the different things, like this is what would be great, and what about this, and try this. And it's great to see companies eager to ask those questions and then actually put them into action and into manufacturing and mm -hmm. making the product and then getting it out to be tested. And so what Amy's done with the safety rack is changing the workforce. It's changing the game. It's getting recognition to these companies that are finally stepping up and allowing a more 
broad spectrum to be seen for them to where women can see that they're there and that there's things for them to wear and get their work done and not have to worry about tripping over things or you know, my finger in a glove and the glove is inches past my finger. How is, how am I going to grab things mm-hmm. with that, you know? And so it's, yep. it's been a struggle over the years, but it's changing. Hey, Sean, what's up, buddy? Let's uh, talk a little bit about AirWorks. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Born at MIT, inspired by the advances in aerial data acquisition and the potential power of AI, AirWorks was founded by David Morsnick and Adam Kurznowski in August of 2017. Yeah, it was. Their complementary backgrounds in aerospace engineering, drones, and construction led to a combined desire to harness the power of technology to automate a traditionally time-consuming aerial data processing approach. Tell us more. Uh, Sure. Headquartered in Boston, AirWorks employs a team of unmatched AI experts, software developers, sales experts, marketers, geographers, and civil engineers all working together to redefine the future of mapping for the built world. And some other big news. Yeah. We just chatted with uh, David and Adam at GeoWeek last week, and they announced that they have recently formed a strategic partnership with Datasite and NearMap strengthening their position in the 3D world, no question. Innovation is definitely in their DNA. And to find out more, simply go to airworks.io. As it should. Absolutely. Well, that's amazing. The safety rack. So what? talk about the traction. I mean, it, it sounds like it is getting attention. Talk about it, Amy. It is. It's been kind of slow moving because I do it in my like part time on the mm-hmm. weekends, um, but it's getting the awareness out there and we're going to be continuing to grow it. I bring on new women um, intermittently to make sure that we're one representing different industries. Wow. We just brought on Jessie, who's a wind turbine mm-hmm. climber. Um, she climbs all day. I couldn't do that. So she's testing stuff and it's going to wear different mm-hmm. on her body so that when she does the review, another woman in wind turbine and climbing will be like, okay, I climb and that wears better than the jeans I'm wearing now or that harness works better. So the big thing right now that we're working on is um, how do we get the gap closed by gaining more conversation? How do we bring awareness to this from the employer standpoint, the distribution and the manufacturing, right? Because all three of those need to flow correctly for this to have open access. And right now they don't. So we're on the back end working uh, on it. And then hopefully in the next year, I'm going to be launching something very special that will really be foundational and give long term. Um, how do I want to word this? Just say no. You know what I do. <laughs> uh, no, we'll give long term um, support to the industry for women across all industries, not just manufacturing or construction but medical what can can the employer what can the employer do to to help close this gap (laughs) one of the bigger gaps that i'm seeing now that i'm talking to more employers and women is that they go to their distributor and the distributor says we don't have it well you're the employer you're their profit line at the end of the day so go back to them and say We want like Mm -hmm. for like, whatever the men get, we need for women and you need to source that. The manufacturers are out there now. It's not a, nobody's making this. I 
Delilah and I can sit there for five minutes and Google it and we can find something like that because we're either testing it or we know exactly who's making it because we're bouncing things off each other constantly. So pushing back on the distributor means they're going to push back on the manufacturer and now they're going to be stocking these things on their shelves. And if they stock it on their shelves, they got to move it out. So now they're going to want to go back to the yeah. employer and say, yeah. do you have women working for you? And I think it's funny. do they need? It's- we got the stuff. Interesting. Now you had mentioned. Sorry, I was just going to say it's interesting finding finding the go right go companies up, that are doing it right because you've got companies that make women's line but they aren't actually thinking about how it does fit a woman. Um, I've been in that position where um, the men's pants fit yeah. better because they had a higher waist. The women's pants were down on your hips so if you bent over while well, you were showing everything, they had no pockets, short pockets. It's like we need – we need everything the man has got and why have you made them different and and they still didn't fit properly. So they're just <laughs> not even talking to the women to, to make the women's clothes. No, they're not. And so the one thing about the safety rack that's mm. very unique, the only thing we post is products mm. that we test and that we're endorsing that says it works for other women. So if somebody's wondering why we haven't tested a product, there could be a very valid reason, but I'm not going to post that because we want to make it a safe, yeah. proactive space for women to go to to find what they need. You had mentioned that there's a new uh, Department of Labor PPE construction standard that's coming out Ta- and how this is going to affect the industry. Can you talk a little bit about that? So in your construction standard for 1926, it doesn't specify proper fit like it does for Uh, the 1910 standard and marine time standard, where it actually spells out that the employer needs to make sure that the, and I'm not going to get it word for word, but that it has to be properly fitted to the body of the employee. And so with that language change happening, it's going to be a little bit of a pushback for employers to go back and say, does that fall protection work? Does that welding helmet work or welding gloves or shoes? And now they're going to have to really re-examine it because you can't Mm. keep using the excuse of, well, it doesn't actually say that I have to protect you that way. OSHA is the bare minimum standard for protection, mm-hmm. if you think about it that way. They're just saying mm-hmm. this is the bare minimum that you have to achieve. So wouldn't you want to go above and beyond that anyways to retain your employees and to make them feel valued with good, proper PPE that fits them? Yeah. You, you, so I, I think this new standard will be really, really good once that comes well, out. Well, you really hit it on the uh, – valuing employees. And I mean, I, and I, and I love all the, the stuff you guys are talking about and I relate it to, you know, I run a business and hire a lot of people and safe. We promote a very strong safety culture. And uh, one thing we realized a few years ago is safety vests. For example, if we don't provide safety vests that people actually want to wear and feel comfortable in, then they're not going to wear. Mm. And it kind of takes the whole point out and it used to be, Oh, just go to home Depot and grab whatever the cheapest thing they got. Cause you have to have it. But now it should be something that you're proud of and we're proud that you wear it. And it goes across the board of regardless of body type or anything, if it's not comfortable, uh, one, it's not safe. And two, it doesn't show that you actually care. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Uh, so Delilah and Amy, you guys, you know, obviously, um, complement each other very well in this effort. Uh, Dialia, what does it look like from your perspective? Are you super excited about the direction this is going? 
Yeah, it's been an awesome thing to be a part of with Amy when she asked to join in after, like she mentioned, we met through the Empowering Women in Industry organization and uh, I was able to see what she was doing and what she was starting and with my experiences already in industry and knowing that there is this huge gap in this equality for workwear uh, and the need for it for protection and able to get the job done in general, I knew that it was something important and I, I love getting involved in things that have a lot of meaning behind it and the more and more I've dug myself into this industry and the organizations that I've gotten a part of and become you know involved with they've all just simultaneously just have come together and continue to make a, a bigger impact on everything uh, from the safety standpoint and then empowering women and just our youth in general in the trades uh, it's it's very meaningful and it's important work it's very important absolutely um we also, you know, we talk about safety a lot, practically every show, it seems like. Yep. The other thing we talk about practically every show, it seems like, is mentoring and mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on the importance of, uh, you know, women entering the trades, having a good mentor and maybe provide some advice on how to find a good mentor. Amy, will you want to go first? Uh, so no, go you ahead. go first. Yeah, go ahead. Go first. <laughs> No problem. Uh, so I found uh, the need of being a mentor and being a mentee. Uh, both of them can kind of go hand in hand. Uh, if you think you're not learning anymore and you're done learning, uh, then you're probably right. Uh, so being also a mentee is equally as important. Uh, but as a mentor and finding a mentor, that can be a game changer for any any avenue in your life. Whatever you're seeking to improve upon, somebody who has been there and has that experience can be game changing. Uh, and so it was interesting because after my husband and I got off the road traveling for work, we LLC'd and started our business Alpha Duo. And in my spare time, I started tutoring. I had a 13-year-old from here in town that I was tutoring with welding. So I was already getting into this mentor role and, and training someone and teaching them in my spare time willingly. And I was introduced to a young lady who said that they were turning people away up here at the school for welding. And so, uh, you know, I kind of just jumped in. But uh, with with the, the work going on and the need for these things happening, uh, it, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And having these changes like with OSHA coming in and stepping up and changing the language on stuff, that's only going to further these changes that are necessary. Amy? <laughs> she said that so well. You got to follow that, uh, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how I can go to that. I think if you're you're needing to have a mentor, you need to find somebody maybe a little bit outside your comfort zone, mm -hmm. somebody that can have that honest conversation like I did when I mentored that girl, um, that woman, excuse me, back 10 years ago now. Um, and if you're a mentor, you have to remember that your role is to listen, advise, not push, but also help promote. So women tend to be over-mentored and under-promoted, and we need to recognize that there's another step as a mentor to promoting the woman that you're mentoring or, or mm -hmm. guy. 
So that way that they get up ahead because sometimes those roadblocks are still there with the next level of leadership. Hmm. Yeah, you're really saying about um, Peter, you know, you got finding something? someone outside the box a bit. Do you see, like, you know, we talk about having mentors within our industries that we work in, which help us on the professional level. Um, do you think it's also important to find those people that are outside of what you're doing in your trade or whatever so that you're getting an outside perspective? Amy? Yeah, actually, my current, so I've been a mentor. I've mm -hmm. been, I'm a mentee mm -hmm. now. I have a mentor and he's outside of my profession. He's a psychologist. Interesting. So it gives me a very unique perspective. He's an industrial occupational psychologist. So he gives a very unique perspective. He does come from mm. a little bit of a safety background. Diala, have you had someone yeah, that's been helpful. outside of your trade? Yeah, so when I first started in the industry, uh, even though I was there, the mentors that I was, you know, getting were certainly outside of my um, known zone of things. And so uh, starting there, uh, it was great having the different mentors on the job sites. But um, now uh, the organization that you've probably heard Amy and I mention a few mm. times, Empowering Women in Industry, uh, I've I've had so many different wonderful relationships and mentorships with women in, in that organization. And though they may come from some part of the industry, uh, they work in a variety different, you know, of different fields within it, uh, you know, not necessarily being a welder, um, but um, it's certainly an invaluable approach. Um, but I certainly lean heavy on those that are in my field or uh, with a little more, you know, approach to what I do just because there's that balance of understanding of experiences and things that you may go through. Um, but the mentorship is, is where it's at. I, I have a great situation right now at the career center that I'm working at. Uh, the other instructor here has wow. been here for 33 years, and he's the heart and soul of this program. And so coming into this, I have a counterpart that is just a facet of knowledge. And, you know, being a woman and coming into something like this, you know, I was questioning, you know, what is this relationship going to be like? What is the dynamics going to be like? And mm -hmm. I could not have asked for a better situation. Uh, not only is he accepting in all of my point of views and approaches and ideas and my knowledge, I bring pipe welding to the program that they didn't have. And so uh, having him as my mentor and being right here, we co-taught last year so I could see those interactions hands on. Uh, that was a fully different approach to having a mentorship from what I had ever experienced, really. And so uh, it's game changing having the Amy, mentorship. Can we just can we just talk about quickly? Just explain a little bit about what was going on with that. Amy? Amy. <laughs> Amy? <Which one? laughs> uh, so, yeah, empowering women in industry. Um, oh, yeah, like you want to take this one because you're, you're more involved than I am because I had to take a slight step back this year. But that is how we met, and it's an amazing, amazing program. So I'll let her take it. 
Yeah, Empowering Women in Industry is an organization uh, that uh, builds women up, that it's a networking group that brings women from different parts of the industry together uh, and just helps you access different people, different connections like Amy, uh, different tools. I actually met a woman last year who I now have as a customer for my welding and fabrication business that I make trophies for their company every quarter. And so the networking is just top notch with this kind of organization. Uh, and then through this organization, uh, last year, Amy actually emceed the women's workwear and PPE fashion show. And this year I'll be emceeing it. <laughs> and awesome. so we get to have, yeah, we have a variety of companies that have donated and sponsored clothing and different products for women in industry. And then we have women who are volunteer models that are either coming to be a part of the conference or the evening uh, celebration of award ceremony and a gala. Uh, and it's it's just showcasing and spotlighting these companies that are out there doing the work and getting things provided for women. And so as a whole, the Empowering Women in Industry organization, uh, they've, been, they've been amazing. I've been with them since 2019. And so they've actually, they've helped me gain a lot of confidence in myself. I've, I've never been a public speaker. And so, uh, you know, now being a teacher, it's kind of mm -hmm. impressed upon to do those kind of things. Uh, but over the past few years, I've gained more and more confidence being in front of people and on the stage talking. And that has to do because of empowering women. And here I am now uh, getting ready to to MC their fashion show in awesome. October in Chicago. And so uh, it's it's mm -hmm. been a life-changing organization, everything about it. Yeah, it, what Charlie has done and created for women in industry, whether you're entry level or executive, it doesn't matter when you're in that network. It's, it's so empowering and it fires you up, but it makes it very yeah. continuous throughout mm. the year. So I can't, you said that so beautifully. <laughs> She's doing well, like somebody it. that doesn't like public speaking. You're really good at it, yeah. Delilah. Good. Delilah, you called her Delilah. I'm a good BSer, no, maybe. No, you're not supposed to say that, Kent. Call me it's out. A difficult name. Uh, it's okay. Just don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> That's because it. it's in all caps. It throw me off. Yes. Uh, the capital I throws it off. It does. It really does. It the does. capital I. Yeah, yeah. Before I uh, we let you get out of here, uh, I do want to have you provide some input um, to women who are considering getting into the trades and are concerned about the uh, the stereotypes that go along with it. And Amy, I'll let you go first. I love it. Oh, just go do it. There you go. Just don't worry about it. Just you know what. I think if you're thinking of it, you're probably strong enough to deal with the stereotypes that you're going to get and you're strong enough to match them. Um, I know certainly it comes along the way, but you'll find mentors, you'll find support, and that will be the greatest thing. And you'll feel empowered in your career. And I think that's the thing I get most is I feel empowered in everything that I do for my career. And when I get home at the end of the day, I'm happy that I've done this career. And I can look back and at least say, I felt like I did something that changed people's lives. It's awesome. Delilah. I um, I love the the saying show up and show out uh, because I think that if you're willing to get there and show up, you're willing to put in the work and show out, 
the work will speak for itself. You don't you don't have to say much. And once I got good at welding and had that confidence and was able to show up and show out, there wasn't a question of my ability. Uh, and if we want to find out, all we got to do is put the hoods on is what it came down to. And so, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, and like Amy said, you have that interest, show up, show out, put in the work, because if you like it and you're good at it, there is work waiting for you and companies mm-hmm. need women working for them. Mm. Yep. No question. Oh, no question. Um, yeah. It's, it's just give it a go. It, you, you, I think you have to have the right personality, but if you're interested in something, go and give it a go um, and find the people that you can um, benefit from and learn from. You've just got to find the right people that are going to be there to support you. Um, there's plenty out there. Um, yeah, don't let anybody stop you from doing, you know, what you want to do because anything's possible. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. Man, I, as usual, get to the end of the show. <laughs> feel pretty inadequate guests <laughs> just are doing yeah, so many don't be a white, white knight don't be a white knight I, I know I know and like the worst my <laughs> wife yells at me all the time just an idiot but uh, just aren't we all I mean uh, like it, it, it it's uh, inspiring mm. no question no question how do folks find uh, oh yeah 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 safety rack Right now we're on Instagram, YouTube for the full product reviews, and then uh, we're both on LinkedIn, and then I will be launching hopefully the website next early next cool. year. Awesome. Super excited about that and see where that's going to go. And when we're done here, stick around. I want to talk to you guys offline about a couple things as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hit them up with your, uh, All right. your closing we, we question. We ask everybody, I don't know if you guys are prepared or not, but uh, I'll start with Amy. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Mm. Work to live, mm-hmm. don't live to work. Oh, love that. Good yep. One. Good one. Dila. Well, I came prepared already because uh. I just said it. I show <laughs> up and show out. That's a that's my favorite thing uh, to say. Just because you, if you understand the power behind it, you don't love have it. to say anything love else. Ah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh, love that. Yep, no, that yeah. is good stuff. Is there anything that uh, we haven't talked about that you guys want to make sure we get yeah. out there? I can't think of anything. This has been great. I really appreciate yeah. you having us on. Ah, it's been nice. fun. <laughs> This might be one of the funnest podcasts I've done in a while. Oh, thank you. Oh, don't let it get to your it's head. It's such a nice compliment, <laughs> right? I really needed that today, to be you honest. Did. Yeah, you, need a, you, need a, you needed a boost, and I oh, think that's man. a really good one. Yes, thank you for saying that. I was going to say I agree. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say I agree, but I was going to say I agree. <laughs> Pump it up a little more. <laughs> well, thank you, and thank you guys for being here. This has been a great conversation. And, like, an hour has gone by, and, like, five minutes oh, I yeah. swear yeah, and that's, exactly you know those are the best shows yeah. so thank you guys again for being here we uh we really really appreciate it uh no. Peta, any final words <laughs> She's still on vacation mode. She's like Sean. When Sean gets I'm back sorry. from vacation, it's I, like I he's really a, enjoyed a, the conversation. Yeah. I'm glad oh, that yeah. we're getting yeah. safety yeah. out there for women because it is a really important conversation, mm. and more and more companies are trying to um, 
trying to do it. They just need to do it the right way. So thank you, ladies. Indeed. Well said. Well said. Thank you again, everybody. All right. Adding value, making friends. There we have it. Once again, if anyone would like to be a guest on a future show or have any topical ideas they'd like to suggest to us, shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join our LinkedIn group if you haven't already. I want to say something real quick. You say that a lot, but I want to encourage everybody, if you have ideas for the show, you don't like Kent's haircut, anything shoot us an email we are would love all the feedback we can possibly get the, the more the better the more the better absolutely dr dre and snoop dog nothing but a g thing available everywhere it is until next time everyone if you're part of the male populated trades be open-minded especially if you're a male show up and show out check out safety rack most importantly be safe and healthy mm-hmm.